0: This is The New Activist. It's good to see you. My name is Eddie Koffeltz. I am one of the hosts of the show. And today we are going to get to hear a little bit more with two incredible musicians and guests from season one, Sarah Groves and David Gunger. And I paired these two together to hear uh, more of their interviews because. It's so interesting to hear the mind of an artist because you can see them like whittling away at these massive ideas and you can see it happening in real time in their storytelling and they're figuring it out and they're kind of wrapping their thoughts around the world and the questions. And it's really neat because what I guess ends up happening is they keep whittling down these ideas until they have a a song or some sort of creative outlet by which to share it. And so both of kind of the extra bits of material from these interviews were just great stories and thoughts from Sarah and David. And uh, I was sad that they didn't make the first show, but so glad that we have this opportunity to hear from them now. The music you are listening to is from Sarah Groves. Sarah, as you know, is just a great activist, singer, songwriter, wife, mom. Uh, Hello to her older son, Kirby, who I met last weekend. Such a cool dude. What's up, Kirby? But Sarah um, was really having a beautifully vulnerable conversation on the interview that you can actually hear the beginning part of the conversation. But she was talking about a time in her life when she really struggled with with God and struggled with hearing God's voice. And I asked the follow-up question to Sarah. Sarah, well, how, how did you hear God's voice?
1: So I remember we were... <laughs> Had this crazy thing. We were supposed to go to Georgia and we had bookings all along the way and all of them fell through except for the one in Georgia. And so we had to keep it. I had to be on the bus for something like 78 hours. It was crazy. No way. With nothing. You know, I think when we got on board, it was like the the TV wasn't working. I had forgotten (laughs) to bring a book. The only book I had was my Bible. I was starting to thaw my heart, you know, I was kind of coming to the end of myself as a savior, you know, and that I could find anything better. I I could feel this hunger of not having eaten in a long time, you know, and like, oh, I kind of had this tone to God. Like, I know I'm an ant. I know you could squash me, you know, but I just have to be honest. I'm, you know, these are some things I'm feeling. So, um, kind of like, I know you win in the end, right? (laughs) But, but you know, I want to like you and I don't right now. And I don't know what to do with that. It, like he, you've hurt my feelings. Like you were my friend and you've hurt my feelings. And I don't know where to go with that. When you, when you feel like God's sort of like, mm. I don't know if you're my friend, you know, I don't know if you're for me. Yeah. And, um, and I see stuff happening, hard stuff, friends, losing children, you know, stuff, very hard stuff, real not
0: tragedy, Yeah.
1: real tragedy. And I felt like, um, you know, there, there are just no guarantees that, that in signing up, you know, we always had that fear. He's going to send us to Africa or something like that, but it was more like life is really hard and your, your comfort, like, can you blame us for wanting more tangible things, you Mm. know, Mm. Um, to warm our bellies or to, you know, uh, physical, you know, like to just be held or to be, you know what I mean? Like um, the things that people will turn to in, in sort of such deep ways that are in a way, wrecking it, hmm. something but so anyway it was just like you know you're trying to tow the line and sorry I'm off on a tangent you're but, not at all so the the first answer was um I was on the bus for days yeah <laughs> trapped in the bus oh, the worst. driving
0: <laughs> such a long and
1: yeah and our main driver couldn't drive for us so Troy had found a guy in town who had done some driving and his name was Dick Mathewitz, and he um, when he when we met up with him and his wife and his son in the parking lot of Walmart. Uh, his son and I had just connected really briefly, and he was just a brilliant light. He had some disabilities; I could see, you know, that he had difficulty mm-hmm. with. I didn't know what what he struggled with, but uh, but his spirit was just bright, you know. Um, and it was I just really enjoyed him immediately, was drawn to him. And, um, so Donna and Brandon said goodbye and we all got on the bus and Dick got onto the bus. And I think one of the first things he said is like, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And I thought that is so simple. I know. That is so, you know. What a
0: reductionist view of this yeah. life. Like you don't even get it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even get what's happening. You
1: don't know how hard life can be. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> say that to somebody, right. you know. Right.
0: Who just so, lost a child. Who's dealing with actual pain. The pain that you're seeing and realizing and feeling. Exactly. Don't, don't reduce it to Christian pleasantry.
1: Yeah, and and that comment is even prescient because I after a day of, you know, doing my own thing or whatever, then I go up front to the bus, uh, day two or whatever of this long bus trip. And I'm, you know, tell me about yourself, Dick. Well he starts telling his story. Um his only son was shot by a friend playing around with a shotgun. The friend was goofing off and um it the gun went off and his son tim had had died um almost instantly and he and donna had sat down immediately and said do not let bitterness take a root here we mm. they could see the potential for how angry they could become they didn't want to have a bitter root grow so they he, they prayed right then to not let bitterness fill their hearts and their lives a short time after that they heard about a ministry where you bring in kids from overseas largely from russia who are having open heart surgery or different things Uh, and you foster them while they're getting these life changing surgeries. And then they do go home. Uh, so they, they began doing this and their friends thought you're crazy. You've just lost your son. Now you're going to bring in some of these kids are really ill and you, you're putting yourself at risk again of losing, you know, why are you doing this? But Dick said it was all part of God was just like a just a deep balm, a salve to their spirits through each of these children. Well, they did this over and over and over again. And they did end up losing one of those children. But but he said, but I can't even put into words what it meant to us to be with him, to help him make this, you know, birth into the into the next life, you know. Mm. Um, and then he said, and then Brandon, we came across Brandon has cerebral palsy um and we were we were going to foster him but the, as soon as he came into our home we knew like he's our son yeah, he, was he home. is ours and he said um, at the very end of this whole story he says and you know and i think if i hadn't lost him which was unbearable at the time absolutely unthinkable but if i right. if i hadn't lost him i would have never known brandon or all these other children that we had walked with right. you know the wounded healers you know they had leaned into that and, um, and I didn't even put it together right that second, but I, um, wow, I was really moved by what he had shared clearly. I went back to my bunk, laid down in, in the bus, and yeah. almost audible, not audible, but almost, Yeah, yeah. oh, you know, like, first of all, God is speaking to me. You are the maker of the universe, and you're taking time to help me sort things out, you know? Mm. And he just began to speak to me, and I, J.M., in my introduction to all of this— came right on the heels of that that was part of what yeah so i'm laid out okay teach me show me where you are show me what's going on
0: sarah groves just such a good person and grateful we get to hear that story about dick mathwitz about that you can learn more about sarah and connect with her on social media and buy her albums her newest album floodplain by the way is beautiful all of this can be found at Sarah Groves, no H-S-A-R-A, Groves, Next, we get to hear from the musician you're listening to now, David Gunger. David, along with John Arndt, make up one of my favorite bands on the planet, The Brilliance. This band has deep currents of music and faith and activism and restoration. And when Bethany Huang, who was interviewing David, asked him to describe his music, He said this.
2: So it depends on what time period you're listening to our music. So our our music started off as music that was, we would call it liturgical music. Mm -hmm. So it's based around liturgical concepts and liturgical ideas and prayers that was based around a string quartet and really making music for my own local church and we started to dive into uh, the church calendar and making music around the church calendar. And then I got to go on tour um, with a friend who's Catholic and has a pretty good Catholic following. And so I'm in a Catholic church and playing one of our songs that talks about Mary. We have a few that do, but uh, it's called now at the hour of our death. Mm. And, I, I got done and someone came up to me and they said, we just love that you're making such great Catholic music. And I smiled and I said, well, I'm not, <laughs> I'm Catholic, but not Roman Catholic and kind of had a little laugh. And they said, you're not Catholic and you sing about Mary? I said, yeah, you know. And so I noticed it started a conversation. And whenever we would do the, that song in non-Catholic you know Catholic spaces, um, people would come up and ask about it. And say, are you Catholic? Are you this? And I would play at a, play it at like a conference and we would play certain music and people would come up and say, we're so glad you're making such great reformed music. And I would smile and I'd say, well, I'm not reformed. <laughs> um, but just based around the liturgy, certain things where you'd see different groups of people come together. We came from an charismatic background. So people would say, we love that you're making such great spirit-filled music, you know, and I'd smile and say, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, all music is spirit-filled music, you know, whatever you want to say. So, it's,
1: Catholic reform so, and spirit Yeah. Film. So I just <laughs> noticed one. though
2: that people would be brought together by it specifically within the church context.
0: So then the conversation between Bethany and David continued and there was this whole other side conversation about some struggles that David has had with the church. And to be honest, I have had, and many of us have had, and it was uh, certainly impassioned.
2: You know, there's a lot of different things. We're just from like work wise. It's like, I've worked at churches now and I've been, I've known six people that have had extramarital affairs and pastors that have gone through just that you're like, when you go through that, you're like, it kind of ages your soul. you kind of are like, what am I doing? The megachurch system, I kind of got over that and had a traumatic moment from that, learning about having language for that. So Spiral Dynamics was big as far as giving me a language for how I viewed the world. So now I
0: have to interrupt because when I was listening to this clip, I went, Spiral Dynamics, what is that? And David hadn't referenced it before, but he's so smart that he's just able to drop Spiral Dynamics into the middle of a conversation. But instead of uh, saying what I said, which was, what, Bethany, Gently paused and said,
1: yeah, Just for anyone who hasn't heard of that, could you give a quick minute on spiral dynamics? Uh, oh my
2: gosh, I don't want to dive too deep into that at all. But <laughs> so essentially, a, a quick minute, if essentially that's even you are um, the way that you view the world mm-hmm. is not because you chose it and it's not because uh, you are smarter than everyone else, but it's because you have a unique your own set of traumas that only you've experienced. However, it also works on a big system thing. So because you're American, because you're a woman, because you're all of these things, you also have certain shared experiences or traumas. And those shape you and shape your worldview. And so you're born into a certain worldview that for spiral dynamics, they might give it something like these colors that you have so in the color theory or in this color system, there's a couple tiers of thinking. And in the first tier of thinking, um, it'd be something like, and I don't want to get into this and bore people, but it'd be something like, uh, beige to purple, to red, to blue, to orange, to green. And within that, all that would mean is it would be in beige world. Everything is primal. It's like the set of, uh, the way that we look at right and wrong Hmm. is totally different. So if you were, you know, if I left my wallet here and there's $40 on the ground, you'd be like, hey, you left your money. Why? Because on some, now maybe you wouldn't because you love to break the rules, but (laughs) in some way you're like, hey, this is right. This is wrong. I'm going to, you deserve it. Well, you probably have something to eat tonight and you're fine. But Hmm. let's say that you have nothing to eat and you are trying to make it and your baby isn't going to make it tonight. If you don't have that, well, then your set of right and wrongs, all of a sudden it gets a little more blurry because if it's just based on survival. So in a beige world, it's a very like dog eat dog world. Beige through trauma, you go, hey, uh, I've got to move together as a pack because it's easier to, when we sleep at night, like for you to take night watch than me stay up all night and watch my back. So it's right. easier to survive in a community. And from that, let's say that we're now in a community and we're like, hey, we need... We're setting up these crops, well, we don't control the rain. Hmm. The trauma of not controlling the rain, hmm. the trauma of things are bigger than us, creates a new worldview, which would be in that purple, animistic world, which there are things outside of your control that are in control. Hmm. And in a sense, in a sense, religion is born, but not really religion, as far as spirituality and hmm. uh, you know mystic thought is in that
0: thought. OK. I know there's a lot of colors floating around, but it's about to all come together. This is about the part where I start to understand what he's saying. Here we go.
2: And then from that trauma, you get into red, which is like one person who's going to go, I'm going to take control. So, or it doesn't have to be one person. It could be a thought. There's the ultimate truth. However, it's manipulated and it goes back. It's called spiral dynamics. So imagine it like a spiral, but almost in a simpler way, think of it like the, you know, the clock that goes back and forth. Mm. And so from that, you go back towards the beige world. However, you've learned and you've experienced a different trauma. So now in red, it's, this is what I say. It's a very, a king laying down the law. And whatever Mm. the king says, it's the new law. Hmm. It's, you know, in a sense, Moses coming down from the mountain going, these are the Ten Commandments. This is how you, you're, this is how you live. Well, the problem with red is obviously you can get crazy manipulative and get these things. And from there, you move into blue from the trauma of red, which is like here are our group's ultimate higher truths hmm. that once again are almost like these higher truths in the purple world. There's something outside of us. So in, in a way, America is very blue. Hmm. However, we're also kind of red, white, and blue. We're also have that history of like right. we ke- we became Americas where we were like you are not going to tell us what to do. We're going to do our own thing. We're not going to be taxed like this. <laughs> there is something there is something about that where you go okay. Blue are these standards, you know? And then from blue you get into the next color, which is orange, which is this transitional color into green. Which orange just says, uh, in a sense, it's uh, the questioning color. So from blue you you've got all the answers. Well, in orange, you start to go, do we really? And that's the educational system. So if you're going to imagine throughout human history, and this always is a reflection of human history, in human history, you go, okay, um, the world is flat. This is what the Bible says. This is what the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Someone in orange land goes, but I Hmm. see something different. Is the world really flat? That's that orange world. Now, oftentimes from that trauma, it can bring you back down to where you create new blues, or you can go into green world, which is a total pluralistic world, hmm. which in the green world, all of a sudden, all that you thought, it's not just a this or this, it's a sometimes this and this. Hmm. And that is very scary to a lot of people because it messes with your systems. So oftentimes wow. people find themselves in these systems. So let us say that you grew up in the Middle East in a very red culture hmm. and you are a woman. If you start to get introduced to blue thought from an American, it's going to threaten the system. Right? If I'm in a blue world and all of a sudden someone green comes along, uh, that's going to really threaten the system. So politically, you can see how this plays a part with this, right. especially wow. how this looks with progressives or conservatives or even more than conservative. And so it plays out into everything in your life. And so for me, going back to that, let's just, let's get out of politics and just talk beliefism. right. There is a certain, certain type of red dogma or beliefism that is where you can get into cult land and can get into all different types of places where it's like one supreme leader or one person that's giving you the exact truth and they are the ones that know the truth. Yeah. Or you can get into blue land where you can get dogmas and creeds and all different types of things that you can, falls more into that. Or you can get into the green land where it starts to deconstruct that. Hmm. And people are threatened by all of that. For me in life, I grew up in a very blue world and then when I was in college I went into an orange world. And then I, when I started to work at a church and really start to get into a green world, I didn't really fully experience a green world until I had traveled enough hmm. and shared a, enough different experiences over tables with people that were Muslim or Buddhist or atheist or whoever it was outside of my tribe. then I see their pain, see their worldview, and it shakes you to your core to where it probably gets you into a different lens. Right. And from that, it gives you a different worldview in which it can cause a couple different reactions. You can either, in a sense, anchor back down into your beliefs Mm -hmm. and build the wall higher against what the other person says, or you can become curious, Mm -hmm. and that's really dangerous, Mm-hmm. because then you feel the threat that you may become the dissident to your own community. Wow. You may become the person that's rocking the boat, and that's really not a fun place to be in. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow, indeed. That was David Gunger. I deeply appreciate him and his thoughts and his mind and his music. You can hear more from David and the Brilliance Uh, All of the social is all linked in one place. I think the best link for you to have is thebrilliancemusic.com. Many of you have been very kindly asking where Season 2 is. And uh, let me just say, there's cool stuff happening, and I can't really get into it, (laughs) which I know is fully unsatisfying. But you should know that all of us at IJM slash The New Activist are deeply committed to this show and Season 2 is on the way with a few surprises. Is that good enough? Probably not. But I promise it's coming. <laughs> the New Activist is presented by IJM. IJM is working to end slavery in our lifetime and won't stop until all are free if you'd like to learn more about the work of IJM. And I really hope you would. I It's incredible. Anyhow, go to IJM. And with that, we go back into the world. On behalf of my colleagues at International Justice Mission, as well as David Gunger, Sarah Groves, and Bethany Wang, I am Eddie Koffoltz. Take care, friends. See you soon. Promise.